Hello and welcome back to episode 17 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, a podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the team with a 100% competitive record so far, having won five matches from five, taking maximum points in both the league and Betfred Cup group as things stand. And I'm one of your hosts, Adam Kennedy, and joining me as always is Mr. Daniel McIver. How's it going, Daniel? It's going very well. That is the most professional intro we have ever had on this show. Thank you very much. I mean, it's only taken 17 episodes, so it's about time. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've not got, we've got next to nothing to discuss today, really. Um, of course, we're going to chat about Hearts trip north to the Angus town of Arbroath to take on the Red Lifties away at Gayfield. Then there's a small matter of an upcoming Scottish Cup semi-final as the Jambos take on the noisy neighbours at Hamden Park. And the two of us are going to discuss a potential 1998, 2006 and 2012 Cup winning 11. So first up was our broth. Hearts travelled north on Friday night looking to make it two league wins in as many matches as they took on one of only two part-time teams in the division. After demolishing Dundee the week prior, it's fair to say that their 1-0 win wasn't a classic in comparison. Um, before we get on to discussing the performance and result, Daniel, what did you make of Robbie Nielsen's selection? Because there was two changes made from that Dundee 11 with Jordan Roberts and Andy Irving being replaced by Elliot Freer and Andy Halliday making his first start in Maroon, respectively. Were there any concerns for you heading into this one regarding team selection? No, in terms of the game. However, the one worry I had, and to be totally honest, it's not actually been alleviated yet, is, is Jordan Roberts okay? Yeah, that, that seemed to come out of nowhere, really. Nobody Because he was obviously totally omitted from the match day squad so mm-hmm. it seems as though that's just come out of the blue but I've not seen anything regarding his injury or obviously an injury that we picked up in the game so I, I think know. especially because we've we know I think for me the team selection made complete sense apart from Roberts because Irvin as we discussed last week had probably his worst game for us in months so it was like yeah get him out of the team provide Halliday we really important minutes. Roberts, I would have liked to see. Of course, we don't know what this means. He might be being rested, but we will get on to it. But I feel that Freer was not an adequate replacement. But what about you? What did you think of the selection? No, I mean, obviously, one of those changes seems as though it was enforced. I mean, I I don't know whether Jordan Roberts has picked up a knock because I didn't think that he performed too badly in the Dundee game. I thought thought he played quite well. Um, like you've briefly touched on there, I don't think Elliot Freer did much in order to convince the management team that he's worthy of a start on Saturday. Um, we obviously he might have to, though. He might have to play. Oh, this is the thing, yeah. Um, we obviously both mentioned Andy Irving. I think I think you're right in that he deserved to be dropped, but again, I don't think Andy Halliday was necessarily brilliant either. Um, I think that's as a the, fucking understatement. As the scoreline suggests, I, I don't think it was all that came was in the performance. I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought we started somewhat brightly. Um, Liam Boyce had a half chance from a, a Craig White and pullback, but he shot straight at the keeper. So, Josh Ginelli being substituted off was a real turning point, wasn't it? Because we, it felt like we missed that out ball once the goal scorer, Craig White, who we'll obviously discuss later, came on. Do you, do you feel as though that was the case? I feel that was the case, and even more so. Like, we just looked like we didn't know what to do when he went off. Clearly, Ginelli has shown in both pre-season and the Betfred Cup 
and then in fairness also against Dundee, that he is our main attacking outlet from width. Going centrally, we've got quite a few, but the, clearly the discussion is from either your full-backs or your centre-halves, get the ball to Ginelli, and Ginelli will just run forward. And as you say, he did that in those first eight minutes, but then as soon as he pulled up, and we will discuss it now, it's very, if you had asked Hearts fans, what's the one thing you don't want to happen on Friday night, it was that we have a big injury to a key player. And arguably there has been no better player this season so far, apart from Ginelli. And it's the way it happened because it was just a innocuous pass across the face of the box and he immediately pulled up and then had to be helped off. And then we, of course, see at the end of the game, he's on crutches. It couldn't have really been a worse situation. No, I'd, I'd totally go along with that. I think that being said, Robbie admitted pre-match that it was a different challenge for us going up there as mm-hmm. opposed to playing at Tynecastle. Obviously, the wins come at a price, but does the result sugarcoat the performance for you in any way? Because lots was obviously made about their home record. The stat kept flying about that it was the best outside the old firm, or is that just irrelevant to you? Uh, no, I don't think it's irrelevant. Uh, if Obviously, us last week, we were predicting a much, much tighter game, and I think a lot of people were as well. Would I have liked to see a better performance? Yes. Do I think the performance was as bad as some are saying? No. Um, I wouldn't say it was a good performance in terms of what we want from that game. However, I'd say it was quite a professional performance, especially from a defensive point of view. I felt the entire back line did really well. I know that, for example, Chris Doohan had a lot of chances and there was moments where it was like, Craig Gordon shouldn't have to be this good to keep us in the game because arguably he was man of the match. But I feel like individuals within the team really shone in the form of Halkett, Smith as usual, Gordon as I mentioned, Liam Boyce and Craig Whiten. But at the same time, which is to me worrying, was how bad others were, such as, in my opinion, you might disagree, but Elliot Freer, Andy Halliday and Ollie Lee just were, I wouldn't say shocking, but they were really bad. Yeah, and Robbie said pre-match that he felt as though it was a perfect night for a game up there. Does that concern you, the fact that, for the most part, the midfield were pretty non-existent? I mean, I think that sort of is reflected in the scoreline and the fact that we've only won up there 1-0. And Mm -hmm. in that first half, we did create very little. um, Because as much as we weren't great, I actually thought that our both played pretty well and like you say Chris Doolan had a good few opportunities should we be giving them more respect here or was it just you know I can't seem to quite put my finger on why it was as poor as it was I'm going to say this this might be a big statement we're not going to come up against a harder team than that this year wow what makes you say that just because of the way that they sit in yeah it's Dick Campbell there is no manager in this league as experienced at championship level than Dick Campbell. There is no team that can make a team as solid in this league as Dick Campbell. Obviously, you could argue, I don't know if this is true, it depend, it's different horses with different courses, 
that Robbie Nielsen is a better manager in terms of what he's done. But Robbie Nielsen's game is not sitting in with 11 men behind the ball, a big man, little man partnership and breaking teams down. It's attacking full free flow and play, keeping a lot of possession. But I don't think there's a team in this league that can set up as well as our both do in terms of knowing their roles and just going, right, I'm going to stick to this. And I can do that for as long as my manager needs me. Well, that's it. And do you think that facilities comes into that as to why Robbie's been more successful? Because I see, I see the likes of Dick Campbell and these lower league managers and think these guys aren't rated arguably as high as they should be, but Robbie clearly holds them in high esteem. And Dick Campbell's not really had a big job, you know, with, with a club the size of Hearts and the facilities that Hearts have. You know, he's, he's not had that chance. So I do I don't get know what you mean because, especially, but again, as I said, I don't know if his style suits a bigger club. I don't mean that as an insult, and I know that does sound really kind of insulting and patronizing. I don't mean it that in any way, but it's much like I often think of Dick Campbell as a kind of Sam Allardyce, Tony Pulis type character where you know what you're going to get, you're going to get solidity you're probably not going to get the most exciting football, but he's someone who gets your results. And for a team, for example, like our growth, that's going to be great. Like, as you said, they're one of the two part-time clubs in this league before the game and after the game. Uh, Dick said that his aim is to be better than Aloha, who are the other part-time uh, team and finish above them. That is their aims. Uh, that is not in any way saying that their aims aren't as, por- as important to us as they are to them because us winning the league is the exact same as them staying in this division. Obviously for the different fan bases, it means different things and the aspirations mean different things. But I just, I feel that some Hearts fans aren't giving our growth the credit. Listen, we should be beating our growth and we did beat our growth, but our growth just in my opinion, I don't think anyone's going to be able to set up as well as that. I think most managers will try. I think most teams, particularly outside of the kind of Dunfermline, Dundee, Inverness, the rest of the teams, air at a push as well, will set in with four, two banks of four, two up front, really try to frustrate us and then try to get us on the break. But I just don't think any of them are as talented at that as Dick Campbell is. But what about you? Do you disagree? Do you just think it was like, nah, it doesn't matter how good our both are, we should be blitzing that. Um, well, listen, I mean, they, they, know, they know the level that they're at. They're aware of the level that they're competing on, basically. I, I, just, think, I just think they gave us a few scares. I mean, mm-hmm. the save from Chris Doolan down to Craig Gordon's right was ridiculous. And there was another where Andy Halliday gives a slack back pass and Sean nearly punishes him as well. Um, I, I just think... I just think the Arbroath game just goes to show what having a top-class keeper does. And mm-hmm. had we gone 1-0 down, you know, it's a completely different game. And you've touched on the kind of Sam Allardyce, Tony Pulis mould. I was also thinking that I got the impression that had they nicked the lead, it would have been much trickier for us to turn it round, <laughs> given that they didn't sit on that advantage. Are you just totally in that mindset as well? Yeah. Oh, God, absolutely. It's, if we had... If I trailed in that game, I wouldn't see us getting back in because 
there was a time at the very end of the game as well where we were almost kind of hanging on. I don't think that would be the case. They had a couple couple added time opportunities, didn't they? Absolutely. I don't think that's the case if they're 1-0 up. If they're 1-0 up, even into the 70th minute, it is Chris Doolin is on his own having to play a lone number nine, holding everything up with everybody else behind the ball. No space in between the lines. The goalkeeper is up on the centre-halves. The centre-halves are right beside the midfielders and then there's a big gap between them and Chris Doolin. So it was just like, oh yeah, we've got a goalkeeper again. I feel like I've said this the last three weeks in a row, but it is impossible to explain. And we will just say this, literally, I don't even know if you've seen this, but 20 minutes ago, as we record this, Craig Gordon just announced that he and his partner are having twins. So congratulations to him. I didn't see that, but congrats to Big CG. What a man. Um, Yeah, you mentioned, or we both mentioned the, the added time opportunities for our growth. It's funny, isn't it? Because had they gone 1-0 up, opportunities may have fallen to us in the later stages. But mm-hmm. that being said, in the second half, we did have a few. Um, Ollie Lee slipped through Craig Whiten. Elliot Freer bended one just past the post. Um, and it seemed as though just before the hour mark that we were kind of growing into the game again, despite creating pretty little before that mm-hmm. um, I think Jamie Walker and Liam Boyce could have perhaps done better with opportunities but we'll talk about the goal because yeah. what a ball from Michael Smith down the right flank and Craig Whiten then dicks the onrushing Derek Gaston um, obviously coming back to bite the hand that once fed him because last season was on loan at Arbroath scored three celebrate. goals in five games no, he didn't. But how good is it to see him scoring in a heart shirt? Especially a finish of that quality, because initially you go, oh, that's a really good, yes, fantastic. That is your natural reaction. You go, yes, Craig Whiten's got another goal. Like, yes, doesn't matter how it goes in. But then you see the replay, and it is some finish. It's not just like the ball drops out of the air and he just kind of swings a foot at it and he manages to get it over the top. He side foots it over the keeper, perfectly poised to go down. It is an incredible finish. It is, and that's literally exactly what I was going to say, because having initially arrived in Edinburgh, he seemed totally bereft of confidence. Um, but then going for that audacious finish, that no longer seems to be the case, does it? Um, I think you know what I'm going to ask you here, but would you start him on Saturday at Hamden against Hibs? No. Wow. Unless we're going two up top. I don't think we will go two up top. You know that? Yeah, I I, I don't think think we will. I think it's so... It seems kind of so set that it's going to be a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. And this is why I wouldn't start him. Because, yes, so like, for example, as you hinted at, Liam Boyce's chance, he should be finishing that. Someone of his quality should be putting that in the back of the net. However... Liam Boyce's intelligence was shown in that game. He was noticing throughout the entire game that, listen, our both are just sitting deep and Ollie Lee and Andy Howdy are apparently just choosing not to play tonight. So many people may view Liam Boyce's performance on Friday night as a negative because he didn't get on the score sheet. The guy who arguably is his replacement did with a really good finish. But 
I think Boyce was as important to that game on Friday due to his link-up play, dropping deep to receive the ball and looking to try and create an outlet, being able to turn on his last man, being able to draw in defenders near him, which allowed Freer to take that chance, uh, which allowed Walker to hit that shot that he should have squared it to Whiten. And if you watch Whiten's goal, initially, Boyce makes a deft run off his left-hand shoulder, which drags the oncoming centre-back into his path for one step, which then allows Whiten that one extra step to get in front of him and score. And I feel that will be really important against Hibbs because there's going to be more space for him. And if he allows that space to kind of encompass him and be able to draw in, I don't know who the centre has to be. You imagine Paul Hanlon's one of them. I feel Liam Boyce will be able to get the better of Hanlon. And I like the idea of having White coming on as an impact. But what about you? What would you do? Because I know, I have a feeling you disagree with me with Boyce's play on Friday night. Um, no. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, well, looking at the Hibs centre-halves, it would probably be Hamlin, Porteous. This is the thing. I'm convinced they play a 4-4-2, but then I see lots of suggestions. See, I thought they played they play a 3-5-2. Well, this is it. I'd see a lot of suggestions playing that, saying that they play a 3-5-2. Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to be Hamlin, Porteous and McGinn. I, I'm surprised by your comments because... I think we were both kind of in awe of the fact that he was dropped for the Dundee game, mm-hmm. given his antics against Wraith, obviously another club that he was on loan at before. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to get slewed for this. Liam Boyce, to me... I have to be careful what you say here. <laughs> at the minute, it isn't cutting it for me. Can I be honest? Because I just think the chance before the goal where it, I think I think he gets caught in two minds. Yeah, he doesn't know whether okay. to lob him or hit it. Exactly right. I've, and that just looked in previous seasons as though it was his bread and butter, really. Um, but there was another that he had. I think A.D. White came on and he switches it over to him on the right. And he could have probably should have doubled their advantage because he had a couple bites of the cherry. There's there's one where he strikes initially, it blocks off the Arbroath defender and it comes back to him and he just slides it past the post and I just... He's a, he's a clinical goal scorer but he's, he's, he's exactly what hearts do. Hearts <laughs> always do this. No, they do. Ever since John Sutton is literally the prime example is the season of his life at Motherwell. We snap him up, and then he just stops scoring. I don't know what it is about us, and just, like, from back to front, we seem all right. But up top, I mean, Jesus wept. We've been crying out for a decent striker. My dad will argue since Robbo. So, I don't know. I just, I want Liam Boyce to bag as many goals as he can. Could you argue, though, but at the that minute, Friday night was just an instance in one of the games that he couldn't buy a goal. He was trying everything and nothing comes off. And surely you want that to happen before we play in the biggest game, not the biggest game that it happens in. He's now arguably, playing devil's advocate here in your situation, he's got that out of the way now. 
He knows not to have that indecision. He knows how to be able to go, ah, right, okay, that block, I should have just ran, turned and hit it, or I should have just done this or that. Surely it's go, right, you've now got all that out of your system. Now go. I hear what you're saying, mate, but then we've had the discussion after Whiten got his hat-trick. You know, Craig Whiten has more goals in a heart shirt than Liam Boyce does, and Craig Whiten's only scored in two games. So... That just that just tells the tale for me. I I get why folk will praise his performance, but when you're looking at a serial goal scorer with the record that he has, having played for Northern Ireland, been involved with various squads for as long as he has, is it is it just me that's expecting a little bit more? I I mean I I I get the impression that I probably would start Whiten, but then. Does Naismith enter the equation at all for no, you? Like, who, no. who deserves to start? You're adamant that it's boys. No, I'm not adamant. I would have absolutely no issue with White and starting. I just personally would choose boys purely because, and I totally, I, listen, I totally get what you're saying, right? There is always that worry for me when we sign a striker going, he's, go, he's just going to become affected by our affliction. But I would argue. In that game on Friday night, his job is not to score goals. And what I mean by that is, I don't mean like he was a striker and if he was one-on-one, he would then suddenly pass it. I just mean, with you see how deep he came and his link-up play, I think Robbie was like, for this game, I want you to be a playmaker as well as a goal scorer. So yes, listen, the chances he missed, he should be burying them, right? I'm not trying to be like, oh no, they're half chances. They are like, full-on chances, especially that one where he's caught in two minds. Like, that should be the back of the net. But I feel the strengths he showed on Friday night are exactly what we I want to see against him. Now, listen, I will be honest. I would not be against them both starting, but it does mean that we have to change shape and probably means that you have to go into a 4-4-2, which... We did actually go into it in the kind of the last 10 minutes of their both game in the first half. And obviously, yeah, listen, you can't really make your opinion on that, those 10 minutes because it was a disjointed kind of just get to half time. But I wasn't overly impressed with that 4 4 2. No, I, I think I think this perfectly leads us into discussion for Saturday because what is your team? Because as far as I can see, I think the keeper and back four pick themselves mm-hmm. and it's in midfield and up front where potential changes occur. I, <laughs> this clash, I have to be honest, I, I am nervous. I can't lie. I've mm-hmm. been thinking about this game for weeks. Um, it, it plays with your head because Derby Day usually does anyway, but this is enormous. I mean, the excitement I get when I think about what happens if we win, the fear I get when I think about what happens if we lose. Are you able to sum up your emotions heading into this and what what would the team be that you would select? Well, first of all, in regard to the emotion, uh, I will read a tweet from our mutual friend, Laurie Dunsire, where he has stated, this is not, I've just said I'll read it, I'm not paraphrasing it because I don't have it in front of me, but basically he said that he couldn't get as into it as usual, because of the scenario we currently find ourselves in with COVID, 
he's not able to get as excited, as into it, because there's no fans going, etc., etc., etc. I get that argument, but I just like I just feel sick thinking about it because, but I do and I don't because it's like if we get beat, it's just unimaginable. If we win, it's just also unimaginable what it's going to be like. But there is an element of it where it's like the pressure is completely off Hearts. I know that so many people would go, no, the pressure's always on Hearts when it's against Hibs. And then this creates a discussion which will probably lend to the end of this podcast when we pick our, when we pick our team. Paolo Sergio was famous for just going, no, listen, lads, it's just another game. Doesn't matter. Just play your game and we'll win. There is an element of the game on Saturday that is, listen, all the pressure's on Hibs. They're currently third. They're flying just now. We've only played two league games. Like, we are going into this probably for the first time in our lives as underdogs into a derby. Because even last season when we were beating 3-1, there was still an element of Hearts fans going, yeah, but it's Hibs. Like, I know we're bottom of the league in their mid-table, but it's Hibs and it's at Easter Road. This is totally different. There's no Hearts fans. There's no Hibs fans. There's, we're in different divisions due to interesting, shall we say, circumstances. But that then leads me on to the team because my team has changed a hundred times, but it's very much changed after Friday night because, honestly, I cannot believe how bad Halliday and Lee were. Do you see us going with the same team as Dundee? Because I know that Peter Haring obviously seems back in the equation. You're a big fan of his, as am I, despite what you say. Is no, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, that's an accusation I am not allowing to go unanswered. I've never said you're not a big Peter Haring fan. All I've said is that I place more importance on him than you do. That Robert Borthwick episode, you said, <laughs> you said that I hate Peter Haring, which is not the case. I <laughs> love Peter Haring. There's an element of it. But I mean, is is a start on that turf too much to ask? What what is your duo in front of the back four? Because, like I say, I think we opt for that four two three one. Because yeah. we mentioned in previous pods that he and Halliday are potential starters, but do you see Irving coming in? And like I say, the same team as Dundee. Or what is your you know duo in front of the back four? Halliday and Irving. Wow. I don't know why, though. I don't even know if it is. Basically, my logic is this. I want a playmaker with a tough-as-fuck bastard. And I think Halliday and Herring fit the tough-as-nails bastard, and Lee and Irving fit the playmaker that can go forward. Currently, no pairings have worked. It's so weird. Yes, because in that Dundee game, we were good, but Lee and Irving were not a good partnership. I'd argue the only one that has kind of worked is Herring and Halliday. But then this gets into a discussion that me and my dad have had over the last month of, as you said, would you start Herring? Because CF starting Herring meant that we won the semi-final, but then Herring is out for another 18 months. I would not play Herring. Because, and this is, this is the discussion, on a moral level, I don't, that just makes me just feel weird. Like, I don't think it's fair to that man to say, put your, not career, 
Well, we don't know. We don't know. We thought his career was potentially over over the last 18 months. But I just personally don't think it's fair to say to him, start regardless if you, if you get hurt. Because what if he because he's got two years left in his deal, right? If he's out for another 18 months, that's essentially I'm done. We'll never see him play again for hearts. Is that worth it to you? I'm not saying if Herring doesn't start, we lose. That's not the ultimatum. But it's just that I don't know if it's as big a risk. I don't I think it's too much of a risk to start him and make him play and risk the injury than starting him and just going, ah, fuck it, doesn't matter. It's Hebs, that's the biggest game. Now, there's a difference if he starts and Nielsen's like, no, he's fit to start. But I, I just don't think he is fit to start. Do you not think we've been building for that, though, in the fact that he's had to come off the bench recently and he's had sort of little cameos here and there? I Listen, I, I would agree. I think 90 minutes is a lot to ask possibly an hour, but I, again, I don't know. I I just get the impression with Halliday and Irving, I'm not, I'm not too big a fan of, or I have this weird kind of thought in my head that because they're both left-footed, that'll leave one of them, I don't want to say exposed on the right-hand side, but I don't know. It It doesn't seem quite that natural fit for me. Whereas I think a Halliday and or Irving alongside Haring does. But like you say, the fitness and potential um, extent that it could have after it, it, it is bound to be a risk, I think, to start Haring. This is the thing, right? I would fucking love it more than anything if Haring could start, finish the game, we win, and it is like this moment of return where he's like, I'm back, I'm this club's most important player, and I've proven it against the biggest rivals this club has in the biggest game since 2012 for this club. That would be like literally a storybook ending to this horrific saga that has gone with hearing. But I would just feel fucking terrible if hearing plays in that game and it further aggravates his injury, and we go, was that necessary? Yeah, I, I get that. I just, I don't know. The midfield is a total, it's, it's a total headache for me as well, because mm-hmm. we both mentioned it earlier, and we don't know at time of recording the extent of the Janelli and Roberts injuries. Can if Roberts see- even is injured. We, we know Roberts nothing about Roberts. Yeah. No, but but I guess what I was going to ask is, could we see Jamie Walker ushered onto the right? Because I get the feeling that that might be the case. It seems as though he and Elliot Freer would occupy the flanks, and that doesn't fill me with confidence, if I'm honest. Particularly as I felt that the two were passengers, for the most part, against our both. Yeah, that's, that is worrying. If both Roberts and Janelli are out, then I... I mean, we'll get into our predictions. I already don't think we have much of a chance. If they are both out, I don't think we have anything close to a chance. Because, listen, I've, I said it when Cami was here, and I said it beforehand. When we signed those three, for me, I, I was interested in Roberts and Janelli. I was not interested in Elliot Freer. And I know it's one game, but that our both game just properly 
properly showcased what I didn't want to see about Elliot Freer that I do is that he doesn't seem confident to take on a man. I know Roberts doesn't as well, but Roberts is like in that Dundee game, the dummy from Roberts, the assist for Kingsley's goal, he was always involved. Elliot Freer, for most of the game, I forgot he was playing. Yeah, and to be honest, this might sound a bit daft. I wasn't opposed to A.D. White coming on. He changed the game? Well, I got the impression that White would go to left back and would push Kingsley further up. But it seemed to be vice versa that. And I didn't... didn't, Listen, I don't think A.D. White played as badly as Elliot Freer did at all. I genuinely... It says a lot. Part on the flank? Well, that's the thing. It's, It's a possibility because it says a lot that when you can go... God, A.D. White did quite well when he came on. That shows you how terrible you were. Like, that's not a sentence that should really be uttered in the English language. But if Roberts is out and you say to me, you have to pick between Freer and White at left mid, I'm picking A.D. White. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, just that that whole 50-50 being an actual thing. Oh, no. Um, obviously, I had mentioned that I could see Walker being flung out on the right-hand side. That worries me at all. Well, does Stephen Naismith potentially fill the hole to cover the absence of Jamie Walker? Or is, is 4-4-2 of paramount importance to you? Because I get the impression that your team would be Gordon, the back four, white slash freer with obviously your midfield duo, Walker, and then Boyce and White in up front. Yeah, I'd play either Boyce or White in the hole and then the other one up front if we're forced into that, if that is the injury situation. My my perfect team, because let's be honest, Janelli is not playing. So I would go Gordon, back four. Just, just now I'm going to stick with Halliday Irvin, but to be honest, see any duo that plays, I'll kind of be happy. Because at the end of the day, Ollie Lee has some good history against Hibs. He does, he does. That's a fair point. So I, I very much think it's much of a muchness. I would love it if Heron could start. I just don't think he's going to be able to. Then I would love Roberts, Walker. Uh, I'd play Roberts on the right even though I know he's not natural there, but I'd rather walk her in the hole if I could. White or freer, but probably white based on the last couple of games. And then Boyce up top. But I I totally get the argument for 4-4-2, but it would mean having to play probably Roberts at right mid. And I don't know how well he would. And you kind of have to drop Walker out of that equation. And I don't want to do that. And it's a shape we're not particularly familiar with. Yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned Liam Boyce or Whiten dropping in the hole. Because if Boyce isn't hitting the back of the net on a regular basis... He could do really well there. Yeah, he, he might be the answer to our prayers kind of in that 10. I, I don't get it, though, because surely somebody with the career that Stephen Naismith has had... I'm not saying he should necessarily start. But he surely should be in that match day squad. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If he's not on the bench, then it's a bit worrying. Yeah. But I'd, but the the 
the striker debate's a, a funny one. I feel as though it's something that's genuinely splitting the fan base at the moment as well. Well, there's currently a poll on kickback that is, who would you pick? Boyce has got 43% of the vote. Whiten's got 28% of the vote. But then there's a separate one with 48%. By the way, I don't know how that works mathematically, but the leading point, or basically tied with Boyce, is play them both. Interesting. So might we see... I just think that that's fans... I don't want to say arrogance, but fans' assumptions that Hibs aren't going to be defensively sound, which... I can understand, but I think I'm confident if we can nullify the threat of Martin Boyle, stop service coming into the front two, particularly Kevin Nisbet, then I think we're in with a shout. Um, well, this is the thing, because at that derby, the Easter Road one where we won 3-1, I thought Hickey had a terrible game up until his assist for Washington's, because I felt Boyle was just ripping them apart. Just I felt Boyle was just getting past and past and past them. This might be not arrogance, but kind of just buying into the hype. But I think Kingsley will fare better against Boyle purely because of his experience. I get that, but then I'm also, I've also got this worry in my head where, you know, we go into league matches as favourites most weeks, and you touched on kind of the wingers being particularly poor in the Arbroath game, I actually felt as though it was a, a decent chance for the fullbacks to push on and give service. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though Kingsley has been fantastic offensively, but hasn't really been tested defensively just yet. Yeah, he's not been te- That's a good way of putting it. He's not been poor or anything. He just has no. literally had no one run at him. I, exactly. So, I mean... It, this would be a great place to start if he can nullify their main threat. Um, what if we match them? What if we go three five two? Could you see us busting out a three five two? We played three five two against Falkirk Wraith. and Wraith for a period of time, and if that was the case, I think you need hearing in that scenario. Because That's I would imagine... He in the middle of the back three. Yeah, you would go Gordon and goals, Popescu left centre-back, Herring middle, Halkett right, Smith and Kingsley as wing-backs, middle two of what, like either Lee, Howdy or Irving as a rotation, Walker as a 10, and then Boyce and White in up front. I actually quite like the sound of that. So do I. I just worry we've not practised it enough. And again, the concern is Haring at centre-half, isn't it? And the potential worry of a ball in behind. Yeah, with, with Boyle down the flank or whatever. But, uh, listen, I mean, I didn't expect us to win the last derby. Uh, did you? No, no. So I was delighted to be proven wrong. Nothing's a given, but they might be third in the Premiership, but... Should be nothing to fear against our city rivals. So here's hoping that the boys can pull through, despite the odds arguably being stacked against us, which, it, as you mentioned, isn't a usual occurrence in this fixture. What's your score prediction? <sighs> I know you were trying to segue away, but I'm not letting you do that. You need to give a score prediction. I'm trying to segue away for a reason. No. 
come on, we're a podcast. We need to optimistic or pessimistic. That's up to you. I'm Mr. Optimistic, apparently, on this podcast. So Exactly, I'm Mr. Pessimistic, but I'm going to have to be optimistic for this. I'll go 2-1 hearts. That's interesting, because I was going to say 2-1 hips. The roles so have been reversed. You're Mr. Optimistic on this pod, yet you've just framed me <laughs> and gone the total opposite. I'll go 2-1 hearts. I'll, be, I'll try and be positive. Come on. I have... Literally, I got into a discussion about this a month and a half ago on Twitter with Craig Fowler. Two months ago, I got a discussion with other Hearts fans. I have not been confident for a long time, and that's not changing just because we've started winning. I will say I would be even less confident if we hadn't like won a game yet, or even if we hadn't, even if we dropped points. Which, by the way, William Hill, Hearts are also undefeated this season. Saw that emerge this afternoon, and there was an argument for Hartlepool United as well. Dunfermline as well. So they are, yeah. Like, there's loads of teams. Shut up, William Hill. Try cozy up to Steven Gerrard. Fuck off. But anyway, that's why I use Bet365. Anyway, I've not been confident for a long time, and I just feel... However, there is an element of it. Whenever I go in pessimistic, we've always won. And whenever I've went, we've got a chance here, I went on my run of Easter Road getting beat. <laughs> so maybe it's good that I'm pessimistic. This is why I was going to plant the reverse psychology, but I'm worried that the majority of the fan base will just be like, oh, what are you suggesting that Hibs win for? And all this spiel. So yeah, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say we'll win 2-1. This is the thing, everybody. Us predicting stuff means fuck all. It's not like... Liam Boyce is going to listen to this on Friday night and be like, right, Adam's predicting 2-1. That's going to take us over the line. Like, they win or they lose in that, I was about to say 90 minutes, but it could go far longer. In that... Please don't. Please don't. The only only thing that gives me more fear than losing in 90 minutes is the thought of losing an extra time Losing on penalties, the fact that Hibs make it through and then Aberdeen make it through, that terrifies me. Well, this is, just before we go away into the final discussion, it's quite an interesting point because I couldn't give a shit about the cup itself. See when we get to the final. See if we get to the final, right? I don't uh-huh. care what the score is. I don't care. Like, see, if, be, yeah. see if we get beat 20 nil, right? Who gives a shit? The league is the priority. I don't, that's like, yay, we bonus, right? And if we win, I'd be buzzing. But see, even if we got absolutely battered by Aberdeen or Celtic, I'd be like, all right, cool, league's the priority. It's just this game. It's beating them is the priority here. Do you know what? I, I, sh- I, I sort of share that same viewpoint because in one respect... This is going to sound terrible, but I'd expect us to win this league blindfolded. Yeah. I I would place more importance on the cup because we're actually seeing us win something of note. However, in this instance, I totally agree with you in that the derby means everything, but the final would essentially be a free hit for us. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, mate. 
well, talking about Hearts in Cup finals, you have brought with you a little tweet. I have. Just just something a little bit light-hearted to end on. So, oh, fuck, it's pal- William Hill. <laughs> well, my pal Ewan that I go to the Hearts games with sent me this. So the Scottish Cup accounts tweet this afternoon read, we have a hashtag Scottish Cup challenge for the at Jam Tarts fans this afternoon. Quote tweet with your combined 98, 2006 and 2012 11 and manager. And it has three rules saying you must have at least one player from each year. You can pick your preferred formation and specify your captain. So, therefore, Daniel and I are going to choose our 11. You got one in mind, mate? You fancy going first? I do. I do indeed. By the way. So, I will preface this by saying I was I was um, nine months old. Even a year old. Yeah. yeah, nine months old when the 98 team won. How old were you? I was minus one month. Yes, you were. <laughs> yes, you were. So you weren't even born. So basically, no. my point is, I have a feeling both our teams will feature more 06 and 12 players purely because we saw it. But I might be wrong with you. I don't know. We'll get into um, it. I, listen, I've, I've gone primarily... Does he primarily nostalgia? No, I, there's there's hints of nostalgia in there. I think my dad's obviously a big influence on me as well when it comes to this. So, but of course, I mean some of them, my heart have ruled my head. But I'm I'm intrigued to hear your eleven and manager first of all. Well, I've purely went nostalgia, apart from the manager. Uh, I've went with Jim Jeffries. Over. We agree on. Yes, I, I kind of expected us to say manager. Um, Sergio, obviously, I love that man more than I love most people. I've now scarce as well, like the moment where you just see him stand up and put his arms up is amazing when that final penalty is missed. Um, but it's Jim Jeffries. How can you not put Jim Jeffries in it? No, exactly. I mean, I, I've spoken at length about JJ. He's, he is the grandfather figure of Hart and Lillian for me. Um mm. I've mentioned on previous pods about the honour that I had of meeting and chatting to Jim in the run-up to the 2019 final against Celtic. Total gent, bleeds maroon, one of the most hearts-obsessed individuals I've ever met. And as a boyhood fan, to be the one to end the drought, that must just be the most unbelievable feeling. Um, And then, of course, if you compare it against the other two coaches, I don't want to sound a bit controversial here but I think with the other two being foreign it doesn't really have that same feel I know that Sergio guided us to arguably the biggest one in our history and I would have been intrigued to see what he would have done you know in a, in a better time for the club mm-hmm. but it's got to be JJ hasn't it yeah definitely um, we move on to defence and this was the section I found hardest I don't know about you interesting mine was midfield personally for me, midfield was the easiest. Right, okay. okay. Very interesting. So, my I'm going with a 4-4-2, by the way. I've gone for a 4-1-4-1. Interesting. Very interesting. However, <laughs> we'll start right at the back. Goalkeepers. So, the options were, of course, Shields Jose, Craig Gordon, Jim McDonald. It has to be Craig Gordon. Well, that's two out of two. Yeah. Yes. Craig Gordon. Yeah, I mean... Gilles Rousset was, by all accounts, a fantastic keeper. Yeah. But Craig Gordon's just a childhood idol for the pair of us, so 
And mention to Jamie McDonald as well, because in that semi-final, his save at the end got us to that cup final. I know he didn't have fucking anything to do in the actual final, but he was crucial for us getting there. Of course. And, yeah, but, listen, I I love Jamie McDonald, but Craig Gordon, we all know about the Gianluigi Buffon praise. The fact he's transferred to Sunderland was record-breaking at that time just speaks volumes. A top top goalie. Absolutely. So, defence. As I say, going to flat back four. First of all, my two full-backs. At left-back, I'm going Takis Fisas. And right-back, I'm going Robbie Nielsen. What about you? That's so predictable. <laughs> left- <laughs> I know it is, but still. Left-back, I've also gone Takis Fisas. Right-back, <laughs> I've sort of bent the rules. Oh, so far later. So it's fine. Don't worry about it. Because... He's not on the list because he famously missed the 98 final. Oh, wait, what? He's not on the list? Hold on. No, but I don't give a toss. I know who you're going for, but still, he's not on the list. No, listen, I've interviewed Gary Locke, and he is another that just, hearts are his absolute everything. He is a top guy. Um, I'd love to get him on the pod, actually. I might have to drop him a text, but he is an absolute legend, and he can make up for his unfortunate absence in the 98 final which, again, must be heartbreaking in some respects by playing in my team. And I'm actually going to make him skipper as well, just because of how much you would mean to him. Obviously, the honourable mention is, of course, the gaffer. And if he seals the deal as a manager, it's going to be very hard to argue against that. Yeah. Well, so. I, I get the guy, Locke. He did nearly kill me once by hitting me with his car. But I'll forgive him for being a legend. However... My two centre-halves, this is where I found the hardest. One of my centre-halves was straight in. (laughs) Everybody's going to love it. One of them was straight in. However, the other one was so, so hard because there was three people it was between. It was between Ryan McGowan, Andy Webster and Marius Salyukis. Ryan McGowan at centre-half? Well, yeah, because I just want to discuss him. In it. He played okay. set and a half for us. Okay. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this is where I go into the point. This is not football and ability. This is like emotional nostalgia <laughs> for a lot of this. You'll see when I get to midfielders. <laughs> but oh, it was between those three. And for me, I'm going with McGowan, but just missing Webster and Zal. Because Webster, I just adore him. Like, the two stints he had at us were just incredible. Zal just became, as Andy Driver said when I spoke to him, Zal just felt like a part of the club. Like, yeah, he was Lithuanian, but he, as Driver put it, he didn't feel it. He just felt like he was part of us. But Ryan McGowan is, to me, like the modern-day Gary Locke in that sense, where just that celebration when he scores, it's the total Hearts fan. It's like he doesn't know what to do so he just throws his arms and legs about the place and is jumping about the place. And it's just, I cannot ignore that. And of course, my other one, who is, of course, the captain, Stephen Presley. Listen, my favourite, like, my first ever favourite player, the moment he scores his penalty is, like, such an emotional moment for me. I love him. I know everybody else fucking hates him. I don't like him as a manager because he's rubbish. And I think he's as a pundit. He's, he's got a weird voice. 
He's got a really <laughs> weird voice. He does. The, the stories are open goal about him referring to himself as the daddy are quite yeah, funny. Like, yeah. And they record everybody chaps and stuff like that. Like, Warning chaps. Yeah, like, he's got a weird voice. But just the moment of him lifting the cup for me is one of my favourite Hearts memories. So I know everybody else hates him, but I dare care. That's my two centre-halves. What about you? Do you know what? See, see that Presley, that photo of him lifting that cup genuinely used to bring me such joy, even as such a young child. Is it like to you now what Spurs fans had with Sol Campbell lifting that? Is it a League Cup? Yeah, to- I totally get that. Because obviously that was the first thing that we both saw. Well, certainly that I saw us win. The first memorable thing for you. Yeah. Because but I, I, I swear I got I, every single thing of that 06. Like, I've still got my cushion on my bed somewhere. Like, the CDs that came out. Do you remember them? Oh, Just, yeah. Oh, elite. Um, I'm surprised you didn't touch more on Takis Visas at left back, by the way. I mean, what, what can you say, though? He's arguably the best, one of the, like, the top five football players I've ever seen at heart. But then everybody speaks highly of Gary Naismith as well. And it's True. funny that... I've somewhat got ties with Gary Naismith because one of my good pals, Aaron, hi Hodge, if you're listening, he's actually Gary's nephew. So Aaron's ah. dad is cousins with Gary Naismith. But obviously, Takis Fisas won the Euros with Greece. That just speaks volumes. But anyway, my, my centre half's totally different from yours because had Stephen Presley not done what he did, <laughs> he could have found himself here. But suffice to say, he doesn't. Well, um, he's in my team, so he could come with me, it's fine. Um, I've gone for somebody who's had an unbelievable career and was, I mean, everybody knows, an immense centre-half back in the day, probably in the vast majority of teams for a reason. Mm-hmm. Davy Weir, mm-hmm. simple, say no more. And then on a personal level, Andy Webster, man, just one yeah. of my absolute mm-hmm. favourite Hearts players of all time. I'm delighted that he got to win something with us. Absolutely adored Andy Webster. That is, that's what I mean. It was so, so tight for me. Like, Of course, perfectly understandable. On um, another day, he would have gone. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, do you know what? See, when you actually look at the pool, like there's so many genuine debates that can arise from this. I wouldn't be surprised if folk had a couple teams where it's one kind of on ability and the other for, you know, the romanticism, the nostalgia, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But who's in your midfield? So again, player four. Uh, my wide men at left mid is my first member of the 98 team, if you don't include Jeffries. Oh. I'm going Neil McCann. All right. Well, I've got Neil McCann on the right, but I'm I'm amazed that Andy Driver doesn't take up your left-hand side. Well, this is the thing as well. There was like three. I wanted either Miko, Driver, or Neil McCann. Because Miko, mainly because, not because of his performance in the 06, but the goal in the 3-2 game, at Tynecastle, like, I'm not really doing this in terms of, like, their performance on the day. You're going the whole, like, Hearts career, aren't you? Yeah, which I know is probably not what you're meant to do, right? But oh, fair enough. That's what I'm doing. Um, Andy Driver was so close, but just Neil McCann was just so good for such a sustained period of time. Yeah, I mean, Neil McCann was... 
a flying winger back in the day. Could could have been a double cup winner as well had he not mm-hmm. injured his knee in the first game of his second spell. But yeah, top talent back in '98. And Robert Borthwick, when he was on, mentioned the fact that he was unlucky to be on the losing team in the '96 League Cup yeah. final. Yeah, against um, Rangers. So no, no, yeah. Rangers. Well, I know that we lost the '96 Scottish Cup final yeah. to Rangers. Yeah, I think the, the following the season. Cup. Because it was played in November '96, I think yeah. it was the League Cup. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's right. Um, but yeah, Neil McCann seems a, a fitting inclusion for me. And then on the right, I'm going Paul Hartley. Interesting. Ushered out on the right. I'm intrigued to see who's in the middle now. I'm one getting... of them is obvious, and one of them you're not going to be able to guess. Listen, if Mehdi Taul makes it in there. <laughs> No. However, it's Paul Hartley. Like, for that semi-final performance alone, oh, I'd put him in. Don't, don't, honestly. Just, oh. Mind you, nearly cost us in the final. Oh, I've never been angrier at a Hearts player in my life. <laughs> However, that hat-trick in the 06 semi, like you say, it gets a bye. He's allowed to kick somebody after getting a hat-trick. <laughs> And, and he obviously knew the outcome. I mean, he was one of our best penalty takers, but no, he just, oh, no. Thought, just, just thought he'd risk it. And then kind, of, then kind of turn as if to be like, what? What have I done? <laughs> I love Paul Harley, man. Honestly, he's just another childhood hero, isn't he? Yeah. What about you? Who's on your right? Uh, so, I, like I say, I've got Neil McCann on the right. Oh, yeah, sorry. Who's on your left? On the left, I've ushered a double winner. Won the same amount of Scottish Cups in six years as Hibernian did in 114. The man, the myth, the legend, Rudy Scatchell. What, what is there to say? He wouldn't play out in the left because that involves running. Well, this is the thing. I, I, I said this in my reasoning because I, I've put maybe a left midfield role doesn't suit him, but I have to, accommod- I have to accommodate him here purely because of the trio that I've got in midfield. Um, I mean, what do you say about Rudy? For my dad that's listening, Rudy is my robo and a brace in the final against that mob. He's just the modern day Hearts legend, isn't he? He has scored two out of my three favourite Hearts goals ever. Uh, the one at Easter Road that sounds like a cannon when he hits it. That Funnily enough, we were speaking about him, John Sutton. I was about to say, was that the assist from the aforementioned John Sutton? Yeah, um, that goal. And then his his second and our fifth in that final, because it sums up the day, because it's the worst hit I think I've ever seen. Like, it's trundling towards goal, but it was just symptomatic of everything we hit that day went in. I'm just going to ignore that total spiel and just claim that it's beautiful. It's the most beautiful fight I've ever seen, (laughs) ever will see. But he's the greatest player I've ever seen for this club. Oh, I, I think that goes to the question. But yeah, like I say, I've had to usher him out on the left purely because of the trio that I've got in midfield. One well, of which is Sir Paul Hartley, of course. Yes. My other two, I've gone back to 98. So in front of the back oh. four, because I'm playing a 4-1-4-1, mm-hmm. I've gone with Stefano Salvatore. Okay, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody knows the sad story regarding Stefano Salvatore. Yeah. But yeah. my dad absolutely adores the Italians. Uh, Salvatore and Pasquale Bruno were two of my old boys' favourites back in the day. And by all accounts, 
a classy footballer. I mean, we've got a Hibs supporting neighbour who's pretty impartial. And even he says that Salvatore was top drawer. So seems a cert to feature in most teams. And you need only look at his time at Milan to understand his yeah. talent. So uh, a, a fitting inclusion, I think. And obviously a, a decent tribute, I'd, I'd like to think. Absolutely. And then, of course, the other being a scorer in the 98 final, Mr. Colin Cameron. Yeah. I mean, I think you touched on kind of the performance as a whole. I've gone for the fact that having the composure and calmness to convert a penalty a few minutes into that I was about to say, so early on, it's not even like you've had time to settle into the game. It's like three minutes in. Exactly. I just think that can't be underestimated. So he, he has to be in there for me. Well, neither of those are in my team. However, you could argue all day for them. The same with like Julian Brelier, Thomas Fogel, players like that should all be into and they would be. No one on this list, just because you don't include them, doesn't mean you don't like them. They are they are all arguably the thirty three best players ever to play for the club. Oh listen, it it, it was absolutely solid. I mean when I interviewed Jim Jeffries, he said that Thomas Flogel was the most gifted player he'd worked with. Um mm. so understandably there's gonna be some omissions. I mean neither of us have Stevie Fulton <laughs> I mean, the, 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 list, the list is decent. Can I just say, I know this is going to sound harsh because it is the biggest result in our history, arguably, but I don't think any of the 2012 bar Scatchel would get in. Well, this is where I come in with my choices. Because... <laughs> Who have you got? Is this your centre mid-pairing? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, because well, I'm expecting Mehdi Towell, am not I? <laughs> it's not Mehdi Towell. Obviously, one of them's Rudy. Obviously, we've just explained. The second one is a man that, after that performance, I I did his celebration for years. Whenever I really, I was a centre half, I would really score. Oh, I don't know who it is. No, I was a centre half. Would really score. So similar to this man who rarely scored, which is. Putting it lightly, I think this was literally his only goal for us. His only goal for the club, but it's the first goal, the rush of emotion. I'll be honest, when it went in, I started to cry because I was so like emotionally unstable because I didn't know how to handle myself. Oh. It's Darren Barr. I just love that man. And potentially, we have something in the works with him. Stay tuned. Oh. But, oh my God. I cannot... I've never celebrated a goal like it, ever, in my life, that I haven't been at, obviously. Like, like the Ryan Edwards goal at the final last year, loads of Hibs, Derby goals, stuff like that. But, I mean, at home, I have never... Or in a pub or anywhere... I've never celebrated a goal at Darren Bars. And just that iconic image of him running with his hands, like pumping in front of him. Oh, it's just the best. Oh, it's bedlam. Absolute bedlam. Just... I know he's probably, apart from Eddie Tyrell, the weakest footballer out of everybody in that list, right? And by the way, I will say, the list is currently up on YouTube. Like, 
if you're watching or listening to this on YouTube, the list is in front of you. So you'll be able to make your own choices. But I would argue he's probably the weakest footballer out of them all. But oh my God, that emotion. Robinson would have something to say about that. That's harsh on Robbo. The new Robbo. Oh, God. (laughs) Are you seeing all these claims for Whiten being the new Robbo and you're (laughs) fired? Yeah. No, I, I, I get I get the Darren Barr inclusion. I, I didn't. I thought you were going to go Ian Black. See, but... Ian Black could have come in just for that challenge on Griffiths alone. And he was outstanding that day as well. He was man of the match, of course. Mm. Should have been. So, you're two up front because mm. you've gone bog standard four four two. yeah? Yes, I have. I'm intrigued to see your duo because looking at the forwards... Stefan Adam, Jim Hamilton, Roman Bednar, Edgar Jankowskis, Michael Pospisil, Stephen Elliott, and Craig Beatty. So, I had three in my mind. The three I had in my mind was Stefan Adam, Edgar Jankowskis, and Craig Beatty. I've went with Stefan Adam and Edgar Jankowskis. Ooh, nice duo. Beats is really unlucky not to get in because again, that's one of the most mental I've ever went when a goal went in. Like that moment is iconic and I love him. And what we've previously explained in previous podcasts, like what a career at hearts he had in terms of big games and moments. Exactly. He's in our hardly played 11s. And like you say, I I can't think of a better nine game hearts career. So, yeah. But... That's interesting that you've opted for different. Explain. I've went, I very much went with me and my dad as a top thing because Stefan Adam, the first cup he got to see us win. I know technically I got to see us win, but I was only nine months old. But then Jankowskis, that class is the team that I got to first see us win. And growing up, I had a painting of Adam framed in my room of him running away with his arms outstretched celebrating the goal so that's just and it's just he's just biblical almost like I remember I still remember my dad told me that when he scored my dad didn't celebrate in the terraces he just collapsed his knees because he didn't know what to do he just didn't know what to do and then jump forward to 06 Jankowskis was like the perfect striker he was huge but nippy intelligent but could also just work on instinct his goal in the semi is obviously really jammy but it's it's a moment as well like and it shows his initiative to just go this keeper is shit i'm just going to put all the pressure in the world that i can on them and we speak about hearts forwards that arrive at the club with a good goal scoring record and flop. He did not. He arrived and was as good as he ever was and left on a massive high. He and maybe Roman Bednar on this list are the exceptions. Yeah, basically. No, I, I, I get that partnership. I quite like that, that you've gone you and your It's a dad, big man but... and a wee man as well. Like, yeah. it's quite good. That, that, would be, that would be a great partnership. Imagine that. Yeah. Who have you went with, though? Well, obviously, I've gone the one because yeah. I've gone five in midfield. And again, it is, it is a great 
pool to choose from, I'd probably gone probably a, a tie between the same three as you. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I mean, I, ha- I have to choose this man because he's the reason I'm called Adam. Scored the winner that got the monkey off our backs in 98. It's mental to think that I'm named after him and yet now he's, a, I'd say, a decent Facebook friend of mine. So hoping that I can one day interview him and whatever. Um, but yeah, Stefan Adam, I mean, his, his signed tracksuit top takes pride of place on my wall. And yeah, the, uh, how, how can we neglect a man that scored the winner in the 98 final to end the trophy drought? There's no way you can. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. I didn't know that that's your name different. My brother's middle name's Adam for the exact same reason. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, that's it. So that's that's our teams. I mean, I, I'm I'm chuffed with mine, to be honest. Do you, do you want to run through them name by name again? Yes, of course. So we have the manager, the big man himself, Jim Jeffries. In goals, we have the absolutely handsome Craig Gordon. We have a back four of Takis Fisas and Robbie Nielsen as the fullbacks. Then captain and angrily Stephen Presley alongside Ryan McGowan. Then wingers of um, Neil McCann and Paul Hartley with two midfielders of Rudy Scatcher and Darren Barr. And then two strikers of Stefan Adam and Garis Jankowskis. What about you? So I've obviously got the granddad, the grandfather, Jim Jeffries as gaffer. Um, Gorman goal, back four of Locke, Webster, Weir and Fisas with Salvatore, the anchor. I've got Neil McCann, Colin Cameron, Paul Hartley and Rudy Scatchel supporting Stefan Adam up front. Let us know your teams on Twitter or email, all that good stuff. Uh, and yeah, this should be a good debate amongst Jambos, so get some fired in. Why not? Definitely. So that is the end to the last podcast. We will speak to you before we know the result of can the end of the Can I interrupt you for a second, mate? Of course you can. Because I'm sick of the amount of mentions that my dad has got today. But ultimately, <laughs> he is why I'm here and why my love for this club is so strong. Um, despite obviously not being content with broadcasting it on social media and seeing it in person, I do want to wish him a massive happy birthday on the podcast because yeah. he's 55 today. So where does the time go, David? That's the question. Oh, he's older than my dad. So there you go. But yeah, happy birthday, big man. Well, Graham, fuck off. So we have a lot to speak about next week, inevitably. Um, but before we go, I just wanted to personally say massive thank you because I don't know if you realise this or if I told you this. Last week was our second most listened to episode ever, only behind Andy Driver's episode. Madness. Yeah, very much appreciated. And that's remarkable considering it's just us two numpties spouting stuff about hearts. So So yes, thank you so much, everyone. Please leave a like on YouTube video if you're watching slash listening to this on YouTube. Yes, we are now on YouTube. Last week was our first episode. Of course, also on the YouTube channel, we have Papa Predicts. Will Dusty be back for the semi-final, Adam? Of course she will. Um, Yeah, so fingers crossed. She can keep up our 100% record so far. She's two from two, but I just dread what will happen if she chooses that Hibs ball, mate. Will she be in a Halloween costume? Um, no, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. You never know. 
but I wouldn't have thought so. Well, where can people get you on social media? They can get me on the socials at Adam T. Kendall and yourself. I am at MacIver the Mark. We collectively are at Perth to Paisley. You can also email us at perthtopaisley at gmail.com. We're on YouTube, Perth to Paisley as well. We're available on all podcasting platforms. Please leave us a review on your platform of choice. Massively helps. We've had some absolutely lovely reviews over the last few weeks. It all helps towards it. Good luck, everybody. I know we're not going to be there, and I know it's not going to be the same, but biggest game in a long time. We've got this. Surely. Come on, it, JTs.